0: Welcome to Girls Who Read Porn. Please be advised that this podcast contains mature content for mature audiences. The title might have given that away though. We would also advise you triple check the trigger warnings of each book prior to the episode and if it's not for you we'll see you next week. Each episode includes major spoilers so make sure you read the book and don't say we didn't warn you. With all that in mind, on with the show. Hi, everybody,
1: and welcome back to another episode of Girls Who Read Porn. It's me, G, and I am joined by the usual Betty. Hello. Hello. And normally we do have Ola here today, but she just had surgery this week, and she's only just gotten home today, so she's not very well. She'll be fine, but she's just out of her mind on painkillers. So good luck to you, Ola. Yeah, and
0: she's also got – hasn't got a gallbladder anymore, so no, and No,
1: yeah, no more gallbladder. She came out of hospital um, – missing a gold they took it from her so that's great <laughs> and we're also very very lucky today to be joined by sarah bailey how are you sarah
2: i'm good thank you very much for having me
1: hi thank you so much for joining us um it's so exciting to have you here um one of the first things that i read when i started reading romance was the four horsemen series and i was just when i said to you before I've just I reread it in preparation for this and it is just as good as I remember so <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> well,
2: you're welcome.
1: <laughs> and so what was it that originally got you into writing romance books?
2: Well um, my uh, aunt is actually a writer um, she writes more historical sort of fiction romance and I read that as a teenager and I always love writing so I wrote poetry when I was a teenager very emo poetry um, <laughs> but we'll never see the live date uh, and it was you know I tried on and off to like maybe write and then it was like maybe five or six years ago no six six years ago that I was like I'm just gonna write a book and I did and I was like oh if I can write one book I can write another book so I've written I wrote several books before I actually published a book mm-hmm. uh, you know to to kind of like, I don't know, test, hone my craft, I should say, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I was like, I'm going to be a full time author, and no one believed me. And they were like, Yeah, okay, Sarah, whatever. I'm like, That's good. And then I proved to them that I am now a full time author. Nice. So. <laughs> nice.
1: nice. <laughs> so, did you just start off? Did, did you just do independent publishing when you began?
2: Yeah, yeah, I never wanted to do traditional publishing because I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like to have creative control of my work.
1: Fair enough. Um, And how long has it been that you've been a full-time writer now?
2: Uh, Four years, actually, ever since I moved to Scotland. Nice. Nice.
1: (laughs) I wonder if it's something to do with, like, the scenery. You know, you've got the mountains (laughs) around you, it's too cold to do anything (laughs) else anyway.
2: (laughs) probably i mean that's not why we moved um no we i was originally not supposed to go full time when we moved up here but then it kind of just happened and we were in a lucky situation where i could uh, and then my career just uh, last year really took off well not last year the year before it really took off so
1: nice that's so good and was there any with
0: um covid because a lot of authors have said that that Mm -hmm. like the last couple of years, a careers just like, everybody's locked at home, they can't see people, they want a bit of romance, find it in a book.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was the Four Horsemen that, you know, kicked my career into a whole new stratosphere, I would say. So, <laughs> and I wrote that during I think, the second year of COVID, so that um, was uh, certainly it w- good.
1: Was there like a particular a particular reason for you getting into writing romance as opposed to anything else? Like, do you, have you always just been a romance fan?
2: Yeah, I've always, always loved romance since I was a teenager. Like like I said, my aunt is a writer and she wrote historical regency romances. And when I was like, oh, when I first read them, obviously they were not no smart at all, in me, <laughs> but I just clean. loved the sort of like very clean romances but I fell in love with like just uh two people falling in love like I was like this is this is my thing and I had you know I I read fantasy as well fantasy was always something I read as a child uh but yeah I just I just fell in love with love and I was like oh this is this is basically everything I read has romance in it um so from then on really
1: yeah (laughs) That's, yeah, that sort of happened with us. We sort of fell into reading romance where, like, Betty and I both read other genres. Like, I read a lot of fantasy mm. as well, a lot of just sort of general fiction. And then once you start reading romance, it's just something just sort of pushes you over the edge. It's like you it's can't get hard away hard from it. to go it.
2: back. It
0: yeah.
1: Or, like, Betty and I would be like, oh, there's this really good book out, but it doesn't have any, like, smut in it. So I don't know if I want to read it. <laughs> like we always need that yep. now
2: yeah i remember when i first started reading when i first read like actual sex in the book and i was like is this what we're doing now like <laughs> and then i was like i can't go back now my first explicit scene i was quite shocked and then i was like and then it kind of just became a thing i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm just... um,
1: do, you, do you have any particular authors that you love
2: um, I, I do, uh, I don't really have like a, a favorite because I feel like some author you know, with every author, including myself, I write books that I don't like. So some of them I do love. Uh, but one of the, the uh, author who got me into dark romance is um, Pepper Winters. She's, I read her um, Tears of Test series and then I was like, this is my thing. Nice. And um, that started my journey, so I do kind of credit her books as as to why I even wrote Dark Romance in the first place. Um but other than that, I can't sorry, my mind has gone completely blank on other words. No, ones. that's it's all right. Terrible. That's okay. Like...
1: Are you reading a book at the moment? Have you got anything that you're currently reading?
2: Uh, no, I'm not reading a book at the moment. I just finished a novella called Primal by, I'm going to not even try and pronounce her last name, but it, her first name is Jessica. And it was like a short novella um, shifter romance that I quite enjoyed. Nice. Uh, and then before that, uh, me and my one of my best friends read a short erotic novella together that we were just like, I think it was called Hold on. I will find out what it's called because um <laughs> it's quite out. <laughs> Daddy goes first.
1: Oh nice. Oh nice <laughs> by,
2: uh, by Kale Man and I was like We we spent the entire time like laughing, but not because it was funny but it, but it was just so out there. It, yeah. It's not it doesn't really have a happy ever after or anything, it's just erotic. We didn't even realise um at first, that it was like MM, um, and it's about this guy who um, spends the night with his father-in-law on his wedding night.
1: So- <laughs> oh, nice! nice.
2: <laughs> oh my god, man! I think we might need to
1: we... add that one to the list.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was great fun. And then we we didn't tell the author that we were reading it, and then afterwards she found out, and she was like, "What are you doing here? Why did you read?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that is fun (laughs) so
1: when it comes time for you to sit down and write a book how do you get your ideas for your books
2: people always ask me this and then I'm like they never believe me when I just say they literally just pop into my head my characters pop into my head and start talking to me and they're like (laughs) how is that possible and I'm like I don't know like something probably has inspired me like previously and then it's been sitting around in the back of my head and then suddenly these characters will pop up and they'll just be like hi Sarah please tell my story now. Write my
1: book please
2: yeah so that's usually but uh I get a lot of inspiration from music like I'm always listening to music <laughs> so <laughs> that's my biggest inspiration but I couldn't really say like I can never pinpoint when I got the inspiration to do something but it's yeah it's it's a weird process I would say but it's just how it works for me yeah
1: no two authors are ever the same either some of them are like I actually really have to work at it like I write it over and over (laughs) and over again and then other people like you as well they're like oh I just see it all in my head and I just type it out and it's all sorted
2: (laughs) yeah I mean it's like it's a bit of a mixture of seeing like move sort of like a movie in my head and sometimes I don't it depends on what this looks like some scenes will be very vivid and some of them I'll have to like work at but yeah, and I and I never know what's going to happen half the time. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like the
1: character surprised. will suddenly do something, <laughs> and then I'm
2: like, I don't remember us agreeing that this was part of the story. And they're like, well, it is now. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so what are you? I in? often call it. Oh, so sorry, you go I on. often call it sort of uh, like writing like I'm the reader, um, which I think gives a very good read final product for the reader experience because then i've written the book in the, sort of in the way that the reader would read it so that's how i kind of describe my writing process to people
1: i yeah i would agree with that because from reading from reading some of your books because they are they're also very fast-paced there's you know like it's there's either heaps of like emotions or things or plot happening which is always good it always keeps you super engaged Thank you. I did try. Um, So when you're (laughs) sitting down and you're writing something like a really like a dark romance, what sort of music are you listening to?
2: People would be quite shocked about the stuff that I listen to because half the time it's not even dark. It's like very um I listen to a lot of like I guess indie folk music. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so
1: you're like sitting down to write to write, like a like a primal like chasing scene. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just like a little like a fiddle in the background.
2: Yeah, I have a, I have a, a eclectic taste in music, and I do create playlists for my books, which. um Think in the front of the ebook for the Four Horsemen has the playlist, so
1: uh,
2: you can kind of see what I uh, listened to when I wrote the book. People are like, Your playlist is so long, and I'm like, Well, you wanted if you want to know what inspired me, how long do you think it took to write the book? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like I love music. Like I, I listen to so many things. That I can't really say to you, oh, I listen to this genre or that genre. Like, yeah, it's just it's a wild eclectic mix of music. Um, so Nice. Um,
1: so, out of the four, the Four Horsemen series specifically, do you have a favorite book from the four?
2: <laughs> um my favorite one is probably actually it's more like a section of a book and it would be the third one just purely because that's when you find out the truth of what went on um and i like and that was very emotional to write the first like part of the third book uh, where you get to see the past, and you're like, oh shit! Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's, it's very, it feels very satisfying face. as well when you get up to that mm. bit because you've spent like these first two books being like, I just want to know, <laughs> like because <laughs> there's all these hints leading up, with them being like, oh, it's our fault, and Scarlet being like, oh, I want to know what happened, and yeah,
2: yeah. I I just I don't know what it is. I love writing a mystery um so that's why people get really annoyed at me because they're like why didn't you reveal this earlier and I'm like because it's supposed to be mysterious, mysterious. Yeah. it's suspenseful like it's you know if you found out everything in the beginning the book would be really boring like exactly you're gonna keep, keep the tension going yeah so I do yeah but that is definitely my favorite part other than um the cliffhanger of the second book which everyone hated me for but... <laughs> I was like, let's write a literal cliffhanger. (laughs) No,
1: um, for the Four Horsemen series as well, they are they're very they're very smutty books. I will say it: there is a lot of sex in those books. There's group sex, singular (laughs) sex, anything you could want, where it's in there. But do you have one particular sex scene that stands out as being your favorite? Like, what was the best one to write or then to read back?
2: My favorite scene. Everyone's gonna. Everyone expects me to say that my favorite scene is the bloodbath, but it isn't. Um, it is the scene in the third book where, after Scarlet, I call it the degradation scene, because after Scarlet has that altercation with Stuart and she runs to West, and that is my favorite scene. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that scene and like for days afterwards that scene just sat with me and I was like good job (laughs) this is some quite something and whenever I read it over I was like wow I just outdid myself on that but um yeah that's my
1: favorite scene I agree I I do yeah I can definitely see you coming from because that definitely is I think it is probably the most like emotionally impactful sex scene Mm. in the book because it is you know she's just been Degraded in like a bad way by this father figure, so she turns yeah. to West to be like, "I I feel safe with you degrading me. I want you to take like the power away from those words." And so he yeah, does, exactly. and it's like, yeah, in this like quite aggressive way, but she wants it, and it ends up all being quite lovely. <laughs> it's like how yeah. he shows he cares I mean, about her. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's like a big turning point in their relationship as well, because like, I'll be on question. Scott, yeah. Western Scarlet's relationship is one of is one of my favourite things I've written. Um, their love story just, yeah, I, d- I can't with them too, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that scene just really got to me because it was like this. It wasn't just it wasn't just the sex. It was like this, you know, like you were saying, it was very much this sort of I'm going to take my power back, sort of situation. And I feel like lots of people think about my books and they're like oh the smut is so good and i'm like well actually the smut can portray a lot of emotion and feeling and like what's going on in a character's relationship i often show that through sex um that's just my personal like brand of things but yeah i i would i it's not like i wish more people would talk about that but i do wish more people would understand that like it's not just about sex it's about the emotion that goes into that as well
1: I think that's that's why, I think, because of romance, I think we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, romance is the highest selling genre out of yeah. any books, any sort of books ever. It's, romance has always been the highest yeah. selling genre. But I think that's what people look for is, like, if people, you know, I feel like we quite often maybe would get made fun of by other people would be like, oh, like, you read, like, smutty books or you read, like, porny books. And it's like, yeah, but it's, sex is just, like, a way to portray emotion. Like, that's why a lot of women like it because it's like shows a depth of emotion
2: yeah exactly that's I feel like that's actually more important than the, the sex is how the motion is because really when at the end of the day romance is about people and human emotions um and I think that's why women gravitate to it as well it's like it's you you' you're reading stories about characters and their development and, and lots of people kind of like um We'll look for the external plot, but the the internal plot of the character development is just as important, and it's even more important in romance because essentially your two characters are going on a journey to be together. Um, so that, to me, requires character development and emotional development between them.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. that's my
2: personal view,
0: but
1: yeah, yeah, but it does it does yeah. make it quite a like satisfying thing to read. It's quite fulfilling.
0: Yeah, I've cried yeah. way more times at romance books than I have at any piece of classic literature.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, definitely. Yeah, same. Yeah.
1: Um, what you said earlier as well about um Scarlet and West's relationship being so nice, I do think like out of the four relationships that she has, I think her one with West is my favorite. I think because I liked <laughs> the idea that obviously like he because he sort of loved her no matter what but she fell in love with him again even when he was sort of like a completely different person i liked this idea that like throughout yeah. time in versions of yourself that you could be drawn to each other which was nice
2: yeah i think i really enjoyed that sort of thing as well and i think that's why i like Every, you know, i know you shouldn't have favorites and i tried to obviously develop all of their relationships their relationship was my favorite to write because i made everyone wait so long for things to happen between them like yeah. we had to wait four books for them to kiss
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i do i do get that but it was like it, you did get that reader frustration of being like just kiss her like everybody else's you know you love her and he's gonna like and <laughs> oh, then when like, he finally
2: says why you're like oh okay i get it yeah
1: yeah and like, oh <laughs> like he's so he... sweet he's like so committed to how she used to be <laughs> yeah yeah like, he is literally. a very like he is a very like rip your heart out character i think mm. you like oh. he, he
2: he's a controversial character as well because lots of people are like he's such a dick like he doesn't he's just really mean to her and i'm like yeah but if you actually know what happened to him and why he is the way he is then it makes sense but you don't find that out for like three books and you're like oh okay now i sort of get west yeah Um, you just sort of think oh like oh he's
1: just unhinged but no he has reasons just unhinged (laughs)
2: no he has he you know he was traumatized like yeah. and he also has a lot of issues it's not just like um but yeah no their relationship just really got to me i think i just oh, there's something about it and the fact and my one of my favorite scenes to write there was another sex scene was where um he destroys her cell and they say they say i love you and i was yeah. like Oh, no, I I remember discussing that with one of my alpha reader before. I was like, I'm going to make everyone wait until the end of the book for them to say I love you, and she was <laughs> like, No, that's perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, honestly. Um, so if you had to pick. One of your characters from the Four Horsemen to be with in real life? Would it be West or would it be someone else? I don't know if I could actually. No, <laughs> it like, you, you would not actually be a good
2: person to be around. Like,
1: but who would you? Uh, who would you pick?
2: Frankie. Francis. Oh that's
1: nice.
2: Oh. from like when I first started writing Francis, I was like, he's marriage material, and like <laughs> yeah, Francis is just so sweet, um, and and very and kinky so yeah
1: very, yeah. Kinky. very kinky
2: yeah it's always um, why, quite,
1: he's always like he's like the yeah. most he's, he's kind of like the most like unassuming one isn't he like he's always, always, yes. he's always considered himself to be in the background <laughs> but really he's like he's beautiful too <laughs>
2: yeah exactly and I, I liked writing this story between him and Scarlett of him like being you know I'm not as good as the others and then she's like what are you talking about like you have always been the person I'm ha-. you know that's her confidant and I think for me like personally I love having someone that you can tell everything to because uh, that's how the sort of relationship I have with my husband so um That's Frankie's not based on him. He he likes to think my characters are based on him. um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So him every it's always been like in real life, Frankie in books, West. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's how I kind of yeah. It. In in books, we always do sort of gravitate gravitate towards those more extreme <laughs> characters. But when you think about the <laughs> yeah. practicalities of being in a
0: relationship, I, don't know, I always like feel that. like I would. I love the idea of a morally grey man, like a villain at heart. But oh my god, if anybody ever told me what to do, I'd lose my shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm well, just the
1: just like the emotional unavailability. <laughs> I'd get so tired. <laughs> i
2: was just like oh god would you just talk game? about your yeah. emotions already? just cry yeah. okay just cry it out um
1: do you have any plans for upcoming books so you have you got anything new in the works that you're working
2: on that you'd like to share yes uh i have a project that i will be mm-hmm. announcing soon
0: i've oh, uh, just very been
2: talking about it with my PA, my wonderful PA. Um, I can't say a huge amount about it other than it's uh, more of like a novella length. It's a novella by my standards, which means it's shorter than I usually write, Um, but probably not by other (laughs) people's. And it's like a, it's a paranormal romance.
1: Oh, that'll be fun
2: yeah it's like a dark paranormal romance that my one of my alpha readers said reads like a rom-com and I was like
1: nice that's different yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's different
2: yeah. but uh it's fun and that's gonna that's kind of be coming after because I'm moving house so that's kind of like put a, a whole pause on all of my writing plans but now I'm that's what i have been sort of working on recently as something fun uh, in between bigger projects that i've been working on that were quite heavy so i needed a break yeah um, fair
1: enough
2: yeah because i'm i'm working on another why choose book so i'm quite mm-hmm. excited about uh, series not book i can't write why choose without it being a series <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you need you need one book for every person in the relationship
2: Yeah, it's just, I just write very complicated characters. And when (laughs) you're writing from like,
1: from like five POVs, I mean, that just takes Mm. up a lot of space.
2: Yeah, I mean, this one is four people, but it's still like, they are, these people have some damage, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Like real, like, huge damage that I was like, oh my god, you guys are just. Oh, and that and it's the funny thing about it is there's very little sort of like over the overall plot that carries through is like reveals very slow so slowly people gonna be like what is this Sarah? And
1: I'm like, <laughs> it's gonna be this what <laughs> known for is like just drawing it out so until you can just reveal the secrets right at the
2: very end sort of but um i i I just like to focus on characters and their story it's like it's not about the plot it's about the well it's about the plot but it's about the character's journey more so than the external forces of the world which um i I prefer internal
0: that's just but that's just my style like character studies Mm. yeah Yeah. like that yeah
2: I'm glad that that people see that because that's definitely <laughs> how I go about it. Um, no. So I'm always like, if you want a plot-heavy book, do not pick my book. Don't read. We've
1: also <laughs> that we have had like we have found sometimes with some books that we've read or been recommended, we do sometimes feel like a lot of it is just plot for plot's sake. I guess just mm. just plot for something to antagonize or something to you know like the the very classic like therodact breakup sort of stuff or you know. I yeah. so it does I don't know, like I mean like, true, like, we, like we, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. we yeah, I think because I we have a hate, happen, we, hate
0: relationship with the third yeah. <laughs> yeah we do too.
1: Yeah. I think because we like, we read so many books by so many different authors mm. and then after a while we did sort of start to notice that there was this formula that a lot of people I guess follow because it, it does mm. sell books, but after a while you're like, oh, and there's the third act breakup. But they will end up um, (laughs) like it just sort of loses. Yeah,
0: the miscommunication. Oh, the miscommunication. Oh Uh, amnesia. (laughs) If I have to read another book where the like main love interest forgets that her love interest exists, I'm i I'm not reading anymore.
1: That's why actually (laughs) I was talking to Vinnie about this. That's why I liked the Four Horseman, because she gets amnesia before the book ever starts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) You
1: start off and it's like a fresh slate. Whereas like so many ones that we've read where it's like she gets amnesia like right at the end.
0: Yeah, and then she forgets and then she has to like re-fall in love with him or whatever. And it's like we just went through this
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just skipped that
0: yeah <laughs> no yeah i'm not
2: a fan of like in general amnesia plots but because of the way that i structured this one that's the only reason that i was like yeah this is fine yeah yeah
0: i like no it work. for, like, a, works it works because it's not like yeah yeah hmm. it's not like a um, yeah a run around was
2: yeah Their history was very important to the plot, even though I made you wait to find out exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, And our final question, do you have any advice for people out there that are looking to be aspiring authors?
2: Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The thing I always tell people is to just write and write and keep writing because... um, honestly like getting stuck on writing is one of the hardest things and if you know and practice practice um i think one of the things i say a lot of newer authors don't realize is like your first book is always going to be your worst book like craft wise um and I know lots of people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Like my first book I published, probably my worst book. I've not the worst book I've written, but it's like comparatively to where how I write now, it is my worst book. And I'm not upset about that because it just shows my journey as a writer. Um, and I don't go back and like redo my books because I just don't. Once it's done, I'm like I don't want to see that again. Um, <laughs> Well, no, I, I read my I reread my own books. Like that's like my comfort read. But um I just would say just keep keep writing and also realize that you like you are gonna get better over time. So practice writing and even if you don't publish your first thing you write, it's not like a failure. It's just a way of like honing your craft because we don't all uh start being able to write books that are like masterpieces like I don't know that anyone who has written like a masterpiece their first book but maybe they maybe they think that but um yeah. <laughs> I'm like well you get better over time like you do yeah it's a skill it's like it's a it is like people say so, seem to think the writing's not a skill like I'm like yes I have storytelling talent but the actual craft writing is a skill that you have to learn um and it isn't you know, don't jump in at the deep end with a million tropes in your book. Pick th- three or four, maximum, and use those. Don't don't just shove the whole kitchen sink at your book and expect <laughs> it to be like, you know. And that not be it's me. I'm I sound really harsh, but like, no, you don't. <laughs> what
0: you say? Like, yeah. I see
2: too many people just being like, let's throw all of these. Let's make it. You know, and it's like yeah. that's even like even seasons writers don't put 100 tropes into their book because they know that that's just going to get complicated like you use two or three and you get a you generally will have a decent book like um, not that I write books uh, per tropes or anything that's not how I write but um
1: but you don't shove in like the- thing after thing after thing
2: no, because it just complicates the story and ultimately you're writing a love story so if you shove a hundred things into it, it's just going to complicate your character's relationships. Um,
1: yeah. And I guess also like draw uh, away from the heart of it a little bit, which is the relationship.
2: Yeah. That's to me the important part is the relationship. This is just my personal opinion. If anyone who doesn't agree with it, <laughs> yeah, they don't that's... take my advice. <laughs> that's the other thing I would say. Just... Take any advice you're given with a pinch of salt because, like, if it doesn't work for you, don't use it. Like, that's how I talk about any advice because I've had, like, people come to me talking. They're like, they said, well, Sarah, what what do you do about editing? What do you do about this, that and the other? And I'm like, well, what works for you? Don't ask me what I do. I can tell you what I do, but that's not going to work necessarily work for you like because your writing process is not going to be the same as mine my you know ultimately my brain doesn't work the same way as other people's brains so work with look at advice but decide which advice applies to you use that advice and discard anything else like those are my biggest things is like people just take on all of this advice and think it's like that's exactly how you there's only one way to write and I'm like no there are a hundred ways to write you don't have to write it in this way if you don't want to. Don't If you don't write 100 drafts, don't write 100 drafts. Just write one. You know, like me, who does not write 100 drafts, I just write one. It is, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely been interesting.
0: And, the more we interview authors, the more we do realise how different everybody's writing process is. Like, yeah. People's, like, we've interviewed authors that still, like, handwrite their entire books because oh that's yeah. the only way that they can do it is, like, by handwriting. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't they can't think right when they're typing, so they'll handwrite it and then they'll type it up. And to me, that's yeah. bizarre because yeah. I couldn't imagine handwriting that many words. But if it works <laughs> for them... <laughs>
1: Or people that like they, you know, like they have to wait until inspiration strikes and then they write for like three Mm. weeks straight and just get it all out. Or people that treat it like a job where they write, you know, from this hour to this hour, Monday to Friday, you know, like it's very different. different. Yeah, you're right about saying like, yeah, everybody has a different brain. Everybody's going to think about it a different way.
2: Exactly. So I'm like, don't, like, too many people go, well, there is only one defined way of doing this. And I'm like, well, just work out what works for you. Because like, I, people say, don't edit as you go. And I'm like, I do that all the time. I can't work any other way. Because if something is wrong, I will fixate on that until it's fixed. Like, what, I'm just going to be blocked for the rest of my life? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's like, why would you just, this, why wouldn't you work with the way that you are comfortable with rather than listening to some, like, advice of you have to write this way, otherwise your writing is going to be crap? I'm yeah. like, well, that's not, that's not true, like right. just and it's it sort
1: of like the individuality of everybody's tone and stuff as well if everybody followed mm-hmm. the same i guess sort of yeah formula to to pump books out
2: exactly your your voice is what's unique about your story like it doesn't matter if you've written the same trope as another person or a similar story your voice in that story is what makes it unique because at the end of the day everyone says there's no original ideas but the original idea is you
1: that's
2: you so don't worry if someone else has written something that is a very nice it was a
1: very wholesome thing to say yeah
2: yeah Yeah, well it's that is what what makes it unique is your way of talk you how you see the world and how you write is your is what's unique about it you know my (laughs) stories are never going to be the same as other people's stories just because my mind does not work the same way as another person's mind so I think this is also
1: um, where we've been uh, very blessed with independent publishing because we've just had the chance (laughs) Mm. to hear so many people with so many different voices that we would not have otherwise had had the opportunity to. So thank God for Amazon and Kindle and all of those (laughs) people.
2: I agree. And I think it's important that we see lots of different uh viewpoints and different things that's why i'm very insistent on writing stories that set where i live so that people can or, well, at least in the uk so people can actually outside of the uk see what it's really like here other than some sort of fantasized or fantasy thing of the you know country which a lot of people do um romanticize
0: do love when americans <laughs> write about the uk yeah. it's my favorite it's my favorite thing i love when they try and figure out so like i was born in the uk like i'm from manchester so i love yeah yeah i love when they do like the slang that they think we say like i've the amount of times i've read like um you know like a peaky blinders-esque book and they try and like imitate cockney it's so funny which is hilarious to me because um Peaky Blinders is set in
2: Birmingham (laughs) exactly and there's always
0: London gangsters but it's like Peaky (laughs) Blinder-esque London gangster yeah
2: yeah like and the funny thing about it is like people don't actually speak Cockney any longer The, the uh dominant dialect in London is um multicultural London English Mm-hmm. Emily, which lots of people don't know and like the funny thing was is I actually when I was writing Zane Valetti's book uh, Tyrant uh, I wrote one of the characters as having an Emily dialect and someone like some someone who was not from this co- country like made a review of, like I don't know what type of accent this was supposed to be and I was like the main what? one, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Well, it's just the way people talk." Have you not watched any shows from the UK? No, <laughs> clearly not. They don't realise that that is now the dominant thing. I mean, I grew up in Sussex, so uh, so I was in Lon- in and out of London a lot as um, a child, and my husband's from Slough.
0: <laughs> so lovely. <laughs>
2: so- <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yes, I have to visit there quite often because his family's still there, but no. Um, so, like, I I'm aware of like the dialects. I can't do the. I would never be able to say that. You know, I can't talk like that myself. Just like I can't talk in a Scottish accent. Um, but like, <laughs> even though I'm like from, well, my family is partly from Scotland, but um, yeah, it it just it amuses me that like so many Americans get it wrong. Yeah,
0: i think if you're gonna but, do like a cockney like book mm. you should like go full monty go like the full rhyming yeah. slang and everything <laughs> just like the, yeah. graciest, the whole like, book the whole <laughs> thing like if you're gonna go like go a hundred percent go like an old yeah. man that's like lived on the corner for his entire life <laughs> and he still says tell- like yeah. brown bread instead of dead <laughs> oh <laughs> well, you can my pull God, like I a
1: die. pull a um, a full-on irvine welsh and go phonetic just to write yeah. it up
2: phonetically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of dialect, I've had to, like, because I'm writing books set in Scotland. So that has been interesting. I was like, I want to make sure that all the dialogue is, like, in Scots, mm-hmm. or at least to an extent in Scots. So I've been teaching myself how to do that which is an interesting well, you're in the experience. right place people are gonna, yeah people <laughs> are going to be like what the hell does this say like i'm um, like well mm, it's a glossary for you so if you're really <laughs> like... <laughs> confused like it's not that hard actually like there's still like english spellings th- all throughout the the dialogue but it's not it's not the prose obviously i would not subject <laughs> people to full-on scots yeah <laughs> 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 Well, not that. Yeah, I just think that that would not be marketable. Well, you would have to have but, like um... a
1: like a dictionary, like a translator book open. <laughs> <Yeah. through>.
0: exactly.
2: <laughs> but it's it's not that hard. Like, and also, it's like everyone uh, different areas have different uh, amounts of that that they'll do the the Scots. Um, so I've just kind of like set it where I live, where I know that it's not quite as hard as say glasgow um yeah that i i struggle with glaswegian accents but, um even though i live in Scotland. <laughs> 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 it's not quite as bad there's um in aberdeenshire they speak doric which is one of the most confusing dialects i've ever heard in my life um and lots of people don't know that that exists uh and so if you ever want to hear something that's, like, really out there, then I suggest looking it up <laughs> Oh, <my God.
1: laughs> But don't worry, it's not that bad.
2: Aberdeenshire, Doric. That's yeah, one Doric. of the ones. Interesting. Kind of... Yeah, there are so many different, like, people don't realise there's actually four official, like, languages in Scotland.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Which is English, Gaelic, uh, Gaelic, sorry, not Gaelic. Uh, Scots and um, BSL, Oh, so wow. British Sign um, Language. Yeah, um, That's
1: cool.
2: yeah. Nice. So they don't realise that those are actually official languages. In Scotland, they just think it's that people often think that like the Scottish accent is just an accent, and I'm like, no, it's mixed in with actual Scots. Is a, its own language? Yeah. Um, so people don't. They just think it's a you know a dialect, and it's like no, it's an actual. A whole different language. language, yeah. Like, and people often, uh, you know, mix the two. Like, it's mixed. Like now, when you people talk it, they because kind of, it's like a mixture of English
0: and Scots. Like they you know, throw in Scotland, different but...
1: words. They
0: kind of just mm. seem to like squish their sentences down. Like they'll say like, yeah. like instead of like cannot, they'll be like canny, like canny do it. Yeah. yeah, and they're like sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah can they do that yeah <laughs> well what what the fuck becomes the fuck yeah yeah
2: things like that like and it's really difficult when you're like trying to write that sort of like different cadence of it would you be. do you think and, are like... you going
1: to like are you going to get somebody that is native to Scotland have a read over it once you're finished to see if you got um, if you hit all the hit all the, <laughs> the
0: markers.
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> Well, like... my, uh, funnily enough, my, my proofreader is actually my mother. Um, oh, yeah. She is uh, from, well, her family is from Scotland. She was not born in Scotland, but she's lived here for a long time and she doesn't have a Scottish accent, but she does know. Like, she, uh, essentially, our family is from the Orkney Islands and um, she understands, like, the Orcadian accent, which is very confusing to me because it's, it's like, um, because obviously the vikings came over norse and it's very sing-songy a lot of the accent around sort of like the west coast and orkney is very lyrical Mm -hmm. as opposed to like very gruff and hard um so she is the person that i would tend to go to with that but um i will look into maybe asking someone who is from actually from sensitivity reader but just a scottish person (laughs) (laughs) well like i I, you know i live here i do know what how they sound and how they talk so it's not like it's and and it's like it's very the one that i've used very distinct to actually where i live because the books are set yeah around where i live so i do know the sort of how you do, they speak yeah, around here, you. You put specifically, in the, the like due
1: diligence.
2: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like if you're gonna write about like say Edinburgh, they talk very differently to like people, uh, people in the Highlands. Like some people in Edinburgh talk with a very posh accent, yeah. and you would not think that they were from Scotland if you spoke to yeah. them. Which most people, people don't know that. And I'm like, no, they're
0: they speak cool. like
2: they're upper class and. Yeah some of them not everyone um and you wouldn't actually hear the scottish twang in their accent when they but they can still be from lived in scotland their whole life so it's yeah. i don't think people know how like it's yeah. like how in england you have such a different range is, of accent and it
1: always made me think like that, that was that's so weird because i'm from new zealand i've lived in new zealand my whole life and i'm mm. from the south and my accent is not that much different from people that live in the north. And New Zealand's like yeah. it's, it's a little bit smaller than the UK. The UK's really small. Mm. Like New Zealand's, it's so really small too. But the UK, like the surface area of the UK, is really tiny. Mm. And everybody has a different accent. Like why there's so many different accents <laughs> on this tiny little <laughs> island? Like I'm on a tiny little island. Everybody sounds like me.
2: Yeah, I know. It was funny. <laughs> because my stepmom is from New Zealand (laughs) when she came over here she was like these accents are really weird and I was like yeah yep
1: it's just powerful I don't
2: I think it's just like there has been so much uh I guess so many different um people have come over to the UK and like try to like colonize it or take it over and conquer it and stuff that you just end up with a very big mix of like different accents because because of that like and they've stolen words from so many different languages Mm. have come to develop english as people move as
1: well then accents mingle and develop new ones yeah as people would move around
2: exactly so like it's it is strange but it's like you know and it's also to do with um class as well like yeah time like Class as well. That's yeah. people don't think that the UK is classes anymore, and I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. have you lived here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one of the most classes countries in the entire world. Where do you think that we got classism from, people? Like, come yeah. <laughs> it's the
1: first country of classes. <laughs> yes, like, I'm just like, how?
2: Why do you like everyone doesn't realize that lots of things are you come from classism and yeah. like it's just funny trying to explain to someone who's from like the US how the class system works here impossible
0: I'm just like I don't know it's just a just happened <laughs> yeah. you just, just born <laughs> into one class system and then you're stuck there forever <laughs> exactly
2: like uh, I, I'm i middle class and I you know, don't admit that very often but it's true um, <laughs> Because if you're middle class, you can't say that. Yeah. (laughs) What what, what am I supposed to do? It's not my fault.
1: (laughs) I guess that's like how the whole idea of the American dream evolved, that it was like Mm -hmm. they moved to America because it was the land of the free and they wanted to be given a chance to evolve outside of their classes. There you
2: go. Yeah, and yet, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh it's right. only, it's only sure worse the over American there.
1: dream is uh, still yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Might be a, f- a few decades too late. Maybe centuries <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, All well, right. <laughs> <laughs> we will let you go, but thank you so much for joining us. It was so good to finally get to chat to you in person.
2: Mm-hmm. I love- enjoyed being on here thanks for having no nice.
1: thank you yeah and we'll be keeping an eye out for the new so the new big announcement that's coming out yes soon. so
0: everybody soon, else keep <laughs> an <laughs> eye
2: out as well all right <laughs> yes. thank you
0: bye thank you bye